you know, they told stories through the paintings on their walls. They actually explained this is what happens when lightning comes. This is what happens when the great rain comes. This is what happens when the woolly mammoth catches <laughs> out. Right. And that's how we survived as a species. That was our survival mechanism. Exactly. Hey, this is Shana Jocelyn Sams from FlipLifestyle.com. And you are listening to our friend Ash Roy at ProductiveInsights.com. Welcome to the Productive Insights Podcast, where you can learn how to systemize, automate, and scale your business via the internet. To access previous episodes and useful productivity tips, go to ProductiveInsights.com. Now, here's your host, Ash Roy. Our guest today is an award-winning feature writer who has been writing for Fairfax Digital, a prominent Australian media company, for the past 15 years. Her articles appear regularly in the Sydney Morning Herald, and she's also the author of six books. Her latest book is Power Stories, the eight stories you must tell to build an epic business. She mentors feature writers, entrepreneurs, thought leaders who want to showcase their expertise in their own businesses. She was also the features director for Clio and her work has appeared in publications such as the Sydney Morning Herald, Australian Financial Review, The Age, Voyeur, Silver Chris and many more leading publications. Like me, she's a former accountant but switched careers many years ago when she finally gave into her passion for writing. Today, I'm delighted to welcome the founder of the Australian Writers' Centre, Valerie Koo. Welcome, Valerie. Great to be here, Ash. Fantastic to have you. So, Valerie, I believe that writing can be a great asset when it comes to building a successful business, and I'd love to hear your thoughts as a mentor to many successful entrepreneurs on how you believe writing plays an important role in business success and entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Well, writing's all about communication, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And when you have effective or persuasive or inspiring communication, that's only great for your relationships with your customers or your staff or even your suppliers or whoever is in your tribe. Mm-hmm. So I think that it's it, uh, writing underpins all of that communication that you're putting out there in the world, whether that's communication to position yourself as a leader in your industry or communication, you know, to have a call to action on your website to encourage someone to opt into something or convert to a sale. It's all about communication. So I think that writing is such an important skill to not only have, but if you don't necessarily have the time to do all the writing in your business, Mm -hmm. to understand the value of it so that you're getting somebody who is skilled in it to write for you. Sure. Something else that occurred to me, actually, as you were saying that is writing even underpins video content or audio content you might be creating because you need to be able to structure your thoughts in a manner that flows and that is easy to absorb and consume. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's important to realize that we can all write, uh, but it's it's important that there's a to understand that there's a difference between good writing, where you have good structure, good communication, as opposed to somebody who can simply string some sentences together with a series of facts, but they may not actually achieve the goal you want. So true. I was actually trained to write by a writer that I really respect and his name is John Morrow. He's from Copyblogger and he's featured on episode three. Mm. He taught me the importance of writing good quality headlines and until I was trained by him, I didn't realize that 80% of people don't even read a blog post <laughs> that doesn't have a good headline. Now, it doesn't mean that your blog post can be garbage and your headlines, all that matters. It yes. just means that if you don't know how to write good quality headlines that capture people's attention 
then your content probably won't even get read. Now, that's something I didn't know about good writing online. Yeah, absolutely. Because we live in a world where we do, all of us, we have much shorter attention spans than we used to. So yes. a good headline is so important. And of course, the genesis of that started off in, you know, front covers of newspapers. We decided whether we were going to purchase the newspaper yes. or not, depending on what it said on the on the front cover. Yes. And that that's, that's the same with magazines. We decided at the supermarket whether we were going to buy that particular issue depending on the cover lines or the headlines totally. that were on the front cover. So the same, of course, does go to blog posts and, you know, pages on your website. But in addition to that is once you've enticed someone in to read your blog post or your web page or whatever it is, mm -hmm. what's really important is that you need to deliver on the product. Yes. So if you don't actually have good content as well, people are going to lose trust in you and your headlines. Absolutely. So you may you may get the click and you may get the initial traffic, but the thing is they're only going to come back and they're only going to click again if you deliver on your promise. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. In fact, I've interviewed quite a few people from Copyblogger and they said very similar things. Damien Farnworth, for example, says, if you write a good quality headline or even a great opening line, you've made a promise to the customer or to the reader. Your content then needs to deliver on the promise. Otherwise, you'll probably be doing yourself more damage than good. Yes, exactly. Another really interesting insight that came up when I was interviewing Kevin Rogers on copywriting in episode 61, I think it was, we talked about attention being the new currency. And this means that capturing your audience's attention with a good quality headline is important, but also retaining their attention with writing good quality content or creating content on video or audio, whatever, that engages them all the way through is absolutely important. That's right. You need to deliver on your promise, basically. So that actually segues quite nicely into the power of stories. Now, I know that you are a great storyteller and you believe in the power of stories mm. and your book is about the eight stories you must tell to build an epic business. So could you talk to us a little bit about the power of stories and how you have seen it transform businesses? Oh, yes, absolutely. I think that... What happened over the last sort of, I don't know, decade or 15 years, you know, as we've gotten much more technologically advanced and much more tech savvy, we understand how, what we can do with our pivot tables in Excel and <laughs> our databases and we can create amazing charts and pie, pie charts and graphs and that sort of thing is that at somewhere along the line, because we were hammered into thinking that data is king mm -hmm. and that we need to make decisions on our numbers, which I 100% agree with because, you know, as you say, I'm a former accountant. Mm -hmm. I think numbers are very important. Sure. I think that what happened is that we got so obsessed and of course, this is a sweeping statement, so it's really an observation of a trend. Mm -hmm. uh, we got so obsessed with these numbers and how we present these numbers that we forgot to tell the stories behind the numbers. Yes. So we would end up with presentations in the corporate world where you would have a PowerPoint presentation and people would say, I know you can't see the numbers up there, but it says 79 and it says 78 under that. <laughs> I remember them. We, re we relied so much on on all of these um, graphs and charts and, and data, but it's important to remember that while – you know, data may be king. It's actually the story framing that data that has to go with that data that because it's the story framing the data that will often convince people to buy or mm. encourage someone to make a decision or inspire someone to follow you with your vision as a leader. Mm. So somewhere along the line, stories just 
disappeared or, or got used a lot less. Thankfully, over the past couple of years or a year or so, I'm seeing them start to make a resurgence. I'm seeing people and brands and companies and businesses understand that they need to tell their stories or the stories of their customers or the story of their leader, you know, their CEO whoever, or the founder, whoever it is. Mm-hmm. And because, as I said, it's actually, while the data connects with the head, it's actually the stories that connect with people's hearts and actually make them, move them to action. Yes. So I'm very passionate about encouraging business owners not just to state the facts, not just, uh, you know, facts are important, they should be there, but mm-hmm. to make sure those facts are stated within the context of a story. Beautiful. And, and by that I mean thing, even basic things like why did you start your business? Why you Tell us the story about, you know, what this burning passion was that made you start your business. Because when somebody knows that, when a customer knows that, when a customer knows that you're not just a faceless organization, but you have this great story behind it, often that's going to resonate with them or it's mm. going to resonate with a certain, you know, segment of them anyway. And and they're much more than likely to, to come to you next time they need your product or service. Totally agree with all that you said. There are some really great businesses that have built themselves on the strength of stories. For example, Tom's Shoes, where he gave away a pair of shoes to charity for every pair of shoes that was bought. People really bought into the why behind his business. There's a great video on YouTube which Simon Sinek talks about about the power of why and talks about why Apple is so successful because they are able to sell their story to their customers. And the whole 1984 campaign was very much around how Apple was going to overthrow Big Blue, which was very interesting mm. story. Mm. Also, I totally agree with your comment that data is very important, but data within the context of a story is so engaging. And there's something about stories, isn't it? Because I think we've been telling stories since hundreds of thousands of years ago and a lot of information and knowledge has been handed down through stories in lots of older cultures and I think it's largely a genetic thing almost. It's probably we're genetically programmed to really be receptive to stories because that was such a big part of transfer of knowledge. Yeah, we are. I mean, it's part of our DNA. We're hardwired to understand stories and to tell stories. Back in the days of cavemen and women, you know, they told stories through the paintings on their walls. They actually explained this is what happens when lightning comes. This is what happens when the great rain comes. This is what happens when the woolly mammoth. (laughs) Right. And that's how we survived as a species. That was our survival mechanism. Exactly. Stories was the way we made sense of the world and also conveyed information from a very, very long time ago. So it is a really, really deeply ingrained thing. And if you think about things like the internet and books and stuff, in terms of the span of human existence, books, the internet, all of these relatively non-story based, and I I know books have stories in them, but the media that has been more disposed to data-based communication is a very recent development in human history. So, you know, computer-based communication is only like, what, 30, 40, 50, maybe 50, 60 years old, before which most of our information was communicated through human contact, a lot of it anyway, and was done through storytelling and interaction rather than this relatively austere medium. Yeah. 
I think that's right. I think that before, you know, the internet, before it's so easy to publish, we had to either tell stories personally or we had to think about them carefully before we Mm. put them in a book or think about them very and structure them carefully before we put them in a movie or something like that. But now we can have all of this data, we can just copy and paste and press publish and it can just get out there on the internet straight away and we can be a lot less discerning about what we choose to tell people and the the way in which we tell it. Instead, people kind of have to piece it together themselves, which only a very small proportion of people are going to do. Whereas if you structure it in a right way and tell a story, you lead people on this journey, not only will more people be engaged, more people will understand it and the most important part, more people will share it yes. because it's easy to share. Whereas if it's a whole lot of just data that doesn't quite make sense, unless you dig deep into it or have the skills to dig deep into it, right. they're not going to share it. The important stuff part about stories and to making is to make it easy for other people to share your stories for you. Yes, and the deeper your engagement, the more shareable it is. When I spoke to Rand Fishkin in episode 38, he said exactly that. Google is now favoring people who have content that is shareable because they're using shareability as a measure of engagement and usefulness of information. Mm. So that makes absolute sense. So I think that comes back to the earlier point about attention being the new currency. When you get someone's attention, you need to treat it with the respect that it deserves. And the way to do that is by being very discerning about the content you put out there and, you know, really taking responsibility to make sure the content is good quality. Because if it's not, it's just going to be more of the noise and it's not going to get shared. And if you want to stand out from the rest of the content out there, and if you want your business to stand out from other businesses out there, you need to be able to tell engaging stories and present your story through engaging content. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. So let's talk about the biggest challenges you've noticed when people get started with writing and creating content (laughs) and really putting down a beautiful story that grabs the reader. Mm. I think that a lot of people, there's a few things, but a lot of people say, I just can't do it. Mm. I just can't write. It's just not me. I just don't know how to write. You know, I'm more a whatever, a visual person, or I'm more of this, or I'm more of that, I'm more of a talker. And I think that that's a little bit of a cop-out, but also there's a lot of fear there. And often that is stems from their third-form English teacher who told them that they couldn't write or who wasn't very nice to them. So a lot of it stems from some kind of incident that happened when they're younger, when they were just they just thought that they couldn't write. But everyone can write, absolutely. Everyone can write. And I think if you say, oh, well, I'm more of a talker, well, just write like you talk. If you want, just talk it into a you know audio MP3 and get it transcribed. It's really not that hard. I think that um, if you say that, oh, you can't write, that's definitely a self-limiting belief that's going to hold you back, not only in terms of your writing skill, but in terms of the growth of your business, if you're mm-hmm. a business owner. Um, so the next thing is that people also then say, I just don't have the time. Mm-hmm. Business owners are busy. They're definitely busy. So there's a couple of things with that. Number one, first of all, you've got to be honest with yourself. Often, it never, ever, ever takes as much time as you think. You think you're going to have to set aside four hours. Actually, you'll get it done in mm-hmm. 20 minutes. It's just that you've built it up to be this really big thing and and it's it's never going to take four hours. It really will take a fraction of the time. So be really honest with yourself. At least have a go. At least start and 
you might discover, oh, my God, I got it done in 20 minutes. <laughs> um, but if, for example, you really are honest with yourself and you really think that you don't have any time to fit that in, then you can outsource it. You can get a copywriter, but it's important to still have your take and your voice and on it. So be careful with that because sometimes if you actually get a copywriter, often the amount of time that you need to brief them, you know, you could have probably written the thing yourself. Different if you employ that copywriter or or they work on you, you on an ongoing basis because then they get to know your business, they get to know the voice and, and values of the business. But if you're using different copywriters all the time, yeah, sometimes that's not necessarily the most efficient way to go about it. Now, I think that's such an important point. I'm going to reiterate it. If you want to have a good copywriter, build an ongoing relationship with them because a good copywriter is going to try and understand your business. They're not just going to churn out copy. They want to understand where you're coming from, the why about your business, as we were talking about before, and then they'll build copy around that. So if you are going to hire a copywriter or an external writer, you need to have that ongoing relationship where they get you and they get your business, or you might as well write the copy yourself. Yes. Another thing that people sometimes struggle with, though, is that they um, they start writing and they're too formal, especially if they've come from the mm-hmm. corporate world. Because in the corporate world, there's a lot of, you know, jargon, a lot of weasel words. and MBA speak. <laughs> exactly, MBA speak. And they end up writing their about page for their, for their business or their small business and it's incomprehensible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's something that you know you you would normally see in the uh, uh, a, a report or memo of a yeah. government department, which you normally read to go to bed. <laughs> so if you have come from that space and you find yourself actually writing in a way that's yeah. too formal or that is full of that corporate speak, then you really need to knock yeah. that out of yourself and you know read other sites that have a friendly and authentic connecting tone that that really resonates with people so that you can start writing in that way instead of the more formal way. Yeah, something that I've learned about writing is simplicity is key. So clarity over cleverness and just short, simple sentences that are easy to consume Yeah, that don't really throw your reader off. Try and break your sentences into short bites of information. Mm, absolutely. And one thing, another thing I see business owners struggle with, particularly thought leaders and experts and consultants, a lot of them want to write a book, a business book. And they find that a really daunting task and they think that it's going to take months and months out of their life and they're going to have to hole up in a beachside um, getaway where they can mm-hmm. be isolated and just write. But the important thing to remember is that unlike a regular writer, you know, like say a journalist who is writing about a particular topic or a, a nonfiction author who's writing about an area of expertise that they've commissioned, been commissioned to write about, the difference is that you as the business owner or consultant or expert, you actually have all of these years, decades sometimes, of experience behind you. You, unlike the journalist, the journalist has to go research yes. from scratch often. 
So, of course, it's going to take them a lot mm. longer. Whereas if you're, you've got your own IP, you've got your own methodology, you've got your own strategies and ideas, a lot of that's going to be easier for you to pour out than, mm. than you think because we're often told that it's going to take so much time and all that kind of stuff. If you are the expert, it doesn't take as much time as you think. So, I encourage people who are thinking of writing a business book not to think, oh, I'll do that when I retire. Oh, I'll do that when the kids are packed off on school holiday or, you know, to, mm. to boarding school or whatever. You can actually do that now. The, the hard part is actually, well, not even the hard, it's not even hard, but the time investment is actually when you plan it. After you plan it, you just fill mm. in the blanks in a sense. So I encourage people who are thinking of writing a business book to look at it honestly and realize it's not going to take as long as you think. And I'll tell you what else I found is really, really powerful when it comes to creating an outline. And by the way, I think an outline is a secret to not getting trapped into writing a whole book or a whole blog post in one hit, which is what I used to try and do and get every sentence perfect before I went to the next mm -hmm. one. I found outlines were really a good way to hack the whole writing writer's block thing that I faced very often. And just putting down an outline, the key points I'm going to talk about, and then walking away from it and doing it in bits and pieces rather than sitting and trying to thrash out the whole thing in one hit, which is how I used to try and do it before. I think that helps a lot. And I find mind maps help mm. immensely as well. So coming back to your earlier point, yes. if you try, if when I try and write copy on a page and try and write it like I would normally write, my mind goes into this self-editing mode and the whole thing just falls apart. But when I put it into a mind map and just say, what are the points I want to say? Because it's not in a Word document, it's just in specific bubbles and within a mind map. I just find that I don't get trapped in that self-editing mode and I'm able to just flow with my thoughts, just do a brainstorm yeah. and just walk away from it. And then I just flesh it out later. So that's a pretty useful hack that I found to write faster and write more effectively. Definitely. Mind maps are great, particularly if you don't have clarity on what kind of information you need to include, whether that's in a blog post or white paper or chapter of your book or whatever. Mind maps are fantastic because they let you spew it all out, spew out yeah. all the different chunks, and then you can arrange the chunks, you know, in a particular order. You can use colors or whatever, however you want to do it, but you can then group them together in the most logical way. And it's a lot easier for you to do that, for some people to do that than to do it in a more linear fashion. Exactly. And, you know, I've just been invited to write a guest post for a fairly large website. And I just sat down, I did the mind map. And honestly, it took me about 20 minutes to put my thoughts down. Within about mm. three hours, I had most of the post done, which would have previously taken me probably eight or nine hours to write a good quality post. I produced the same thing in mm. about three or four hours. It's because I took breaks and I did it in bits and pieces. The other thing I want to mm. mention about an obstacle that people face when they say, I can't do it. It's not me. You know, I remember when I was first asked by a friend, why don't you start writing? And I said, who would want to read what I write? You know, <laughs> I remember that very often now when I see some of my posts are being shared thousands of times, you know, guest posts that I've written on sites, or my content has been looked at a lot. I've been approached to write guest posts because people have read my content. And I look back on that mm. time and think, I really believe that. Who would want to read what I write back then? We all mm. think that, don't we? We all feel that sense that why would anyone want to read what I write? The truth is yes. all of us have experiences that we can share. And as you said earlier on, if you've worked in an industry for 15 years, like you and I have in finance, yes. 
we have all this intellectual property that we can pour into a page within minutes, which would take a journalist probably days to find. Yes, that's right. Absolutely right. So, yeah, I'd encourage anyone listening to really just start writing down bullet points and get a mind mapping tool. It's probably costs a bit of money for a decent one, but I've been using a mind mapping tool called iThoughts X lately on my Mac, which I've found to be really good because you can create multiple mind maps within the one mind map and it allows you to export to PowerPoint or to Keynote and all sorts of really cool stuff. So it's a very good mind mapping tool. I recommend you check it out. Mm. And if you don't have that, pen and paper works just as well. Right. <laughs> if you're going to use that as an excuse or an obstacle, oh, I've got to buy a $50 <laughs> mind mapping tool, then just go get a piece of pen, get a piece of pen, get a yep. piece of pen and a, uh, and a pad of paper <laughs> and, just, and just start yes. writing an outline. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's talk about action points then. There's some that have already come out that are quite obvious. One is get a pen and a paper and start writing an outline <laughs> if you're worried about writing yeah. and walk away from it. Don't feel like you have to thrash out the entire piece of content there and then. Just put down your thoughts and, hey, what's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to have some intellectual property or some interesting information you've written down. Keep a diary. That's another really good tool, I find, to get yourself into the habit of writing. What other actions do you think a listener can take, Valerie, that would get them going with a writing habit? I think one thing that is really useful but really underestimated is the idea of journaling. Now, people often think that journaling is, is what teenage girls do when they've broken up with their boyfriend and listening to emo music, but that's not actually the case. In fact, uh, while um, some people may be familiar with a book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron, yes, and basically one of the things that she says is to journal every day. She calls it morning pages uh, where you write write, you know, three pages of whatever comes out of your head every day. And the principle behind it is that it just gets your creative juices flowing and just empties your head of whatever's in there so that you can then potentially work on your creative projects. However, I want to, you know, kind of evolve that idea a bit because one thing I want to say is that if you're not a morning person, don't beat yourself up about not right. doing morning pages in the mornings. Sometimes I do those pages at 6.30 at night or 11 yeah. p.m. at night just do them but you know if you are a morning person get it get it done first thing but even if you're not a creative I think that this is a really really useful tool for business owners and entrepreneurs and it's certainly one I use and it's the whole point of it is to not write anything spectacular or that it's going to go on your website the only person who's going to see what you write is you and that's very important so that you can write whatever you want. And the whole point though is to empty your head of what's in it at the moment and you will be shocked at the amount of clarity that you get after writing three pages or however many pages you want to write. Um, And certainly if I'm ever stuck on anything or I'm wondering what priorities, you know, how to order my priorities or where I should be spending my time or which decisions to make, this is what I do. I start journaling just whatever's in my head, not necessarily, oh my God, what should I do with this problem, but whatever's in my head. And then by the end of the session, I have crystal clear clarity on my next steps. So in fact, I kind of have two sections of my journal where I, the the front section is where I write this kind of stuff. But as the aha moments just come up and come up and the, the points of clarity just go ping, I write my 
my to-do list nice. at the back of the journal, in a sense. So this is such a That's simple thing. That's a good idea. Thing. Yeah, it's such a simple thing that you can do. Uh, you know, all you need is a notebook and a, and a pen. If you don't like writing with a notebook and a pen and you love technology, then one thing I use is because uh, also you're writing quite you're, – you're writing whatever's in your head. You're writing stuff that can potentially be quite mm-hmm. personal, whether that's about your personal life or about um, people mm-hmm. in your business so uh, or, or your suppliers or your customers. So sometimes the security of a pen and paper is not that great, <laughs> particularly if you're, you're, you have a tendency to lose things. So if you are technologically um, inclined, there's an app which I use called Penzu, that's P-E-N-Z-U.com, and it's an online personal journal and there's lots of encryption and you can have multiple journals all with different passwords if you want. So you can certainly do it online as well if you you don't want to do the pen and paper approach. However, I do encourage you to try the pen and paper approach because there is something about, as Julia Cameron uh, expressed in her book, in her famous book, there's something about putting the pen to a, yes. to a page that actually makes uh, – that really helps that flow, that really helps you unload what's truly on your brain. It's sort of visceral, isn't it? There's something visceral about it. It is. I wonder how that will work for the next generations that will not be doing as much writing. That would mm. be interesting to see what they would find about, you know, the physical act of writing. Yes, yes, I wonder. <laughs> Hopefully they come back to it. Another interesting thing that Julia Cameron says actually about those morning pages is she actually says you can think of it as the morning pages as an M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G pages. And she actually says mm-hmm. that's a good way to get all the objections and all the, all the noise out of your head into a piece of paper and you pour your, your morning out, <laughs> all your complaints about life into mm. a piece of paper and then you can get on with the rest of your day. I actually use Day One, the app on the Mac for my journaling mm. as opposed to Penzu, but I'll check out Penzu. That sounds quite interesting as well. It, I don't think Day One is as encrypted as Penzu sounds. Oh, it's quite encrypted. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> and you can if you want imp- include photos and things like that. I don't. Yeah. I just write in Penzu, but it's useful. Yeah. Cool. yeah. Another simple mm-hmm. quick win is because a lot of people don't know mm-hmm. where to start with their writing and one of the things that I emphasize in my book, Power Stories, is that it's the eight stories you must tell to build mm-hmm. an epic business. So start with those eight stories, you know, <laughs> just simply start start there and once you've built those eight stories, you have an, a really good foundation of the types of stories that you can use and reuse in different scenarios and different situations in your business. And one of the things that I've done with the book is that I've included templates. So nothing is left to guesswork. You don't have to sit there and go, what do I write next? I've actually got the template and you basically fill it in with your particular, you know, answer to that question that I've posed. And you've got your eight stories. Could you tell us a bit about these eight stories or would you rather people buy the book? I'll tell you some of them. We don't have time necessarily to go through all of them. But uh, one of the things that I mentioned before is your passion Mm -hmm. story. Why do you do what you do? It's important to be able to tell that because when you are passionate about your business or what you do, your customers in particular and your staff 
have uh, understand that you have a care factor. You're bringing something else to the table that's beyond just making money, that's beyond just the bottom line. And that really does resonate with people, especially with your customers. Um, you know, and we go through how you tell your passion story and where you tell your passion story. Uh, your business story is a very, very important one. You need to be able to tell your business story because I was talking to a woman the other day who um, I said to her, okay, so tell me about what your business is. And half an hour later, I still didn't understand right. what she did. And she, I said, I need you to stop there. You need to be able to tell this to me because she, she came to me for advice anyway because her business is not getting traction. I said, you need to be able to tell this in, in 30 seconds, not 30 minutes. So, And that's in itself telling, isn't it? If you can't. Mm tell yourself if you're not clear on your own yeah, story. Yeah, exactly. How you're going to tell to so us? we outline how you can tell your business story in different mm-hmm. scenarios. The one place that people often tell their business story and often, often get it wrong is their about page. And we have a template for how you write your about page oh, in the most cool. effective way. So it's 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 something that is such a fundamental part of your marketing because if people go to your website, a great a lot of them are going to go to your about page because they want to know Absolutely. what you're about. I want to do my about <laughs> and page. I have so I'm so getting so this many, book. <laughs> I've seen so many bad about pages, like really bad. And um, sometimes it's all you know. I have to hold myself back from emailing these people and saying, "Oh, you really should just write it like this." <laughs> But, you know, and there's there's a no, many other stories including um, your customer story because often your customer, the stories your of your customers are the things that are going to convert because your other customers see those stories and they go, they're just like me. I, I, I That's mm. that's what I was like before I did X, Y, Z. And if you can tell your customer stories, whether that's in a case study or a video or, or, or something like that, and showcase your customers, that's really going to resonate with a lot of similar customers out there. So there's also a, a certain structure and ideal way to tell your customer story as well. But, yeah, that's just some of them. I mean, we'd, we'd be talking all day if we went through all night. But that's great. I'm really glad you mentioned that your book covers the about pages of websites because I think that is mm. such an important thing. Okay, so let's talk about the books that have had the biggest impact on you and why. Ah, oh, well, I guess it's more the books that I enjoy a lot. Um, yeah, I guess and have had the biggest impact on me. Basically, anything by Michael Lewis or Walter Isaacson. Now, Michael Lewis is the guy who wrote Liar's Poker and Moneyball and Flash Boys. You know, Moneyball is the one about baseball statistics that starred Brad Pitt. And Walter Isaacson wrote the recent Steve Jobs biography. Mm-hmm. Um, he also wrote, which is unputdownable, and he also wrote The Innovators. So basically, these writers write about mm-hmm. business, but they uh, write it in such a, you know, and, and sometimes they're dealing with dry bits of the story, like, you know, the movements of share prices or the the movement of the Dow Jones or the direction of the economy. But the way they write about these some of these things are like edge-of-your-seat thrillers. And they can write about business and turn even sometimes quite complex matters into amazing stories that are not only factual and accurate but also riveting. And um, 
I just admire their ability to do that. I savor every word when I'm reading their books and I learn an incredible amount as well. Tell me, when you read, Valerie, do you skim read or do you read every single word in your mind to yourself? First, I read to see what kind of Mm -hmm. author they are. So I will read properly, like, you know, and read every word for the first, I don't know, chapter Mm -hmm. or so. And by then, I have a very clear indication as to whether they're a Walter yeah. Isaacson or a Michael Lewis. And if I if that I determine that they are that, I will savour in right. every single word because that is a yeah. pure pleasure. And if they're not, that's okay. They might I'm not that doesn't mean they're a bad writer. It just means that they're not as skilled as mm-hmm. as those authors. But they may have interesting, really interesting things to say. And so I'm more likely to read to skim or to read quickly or to speed read certain mm-hmm. sections that I know and I can tell are padding. Yep. Because, you know, I guess I've had so much experience in the world of writing. I know when someone is about yep. to go into some padding or whether whether it's meaty kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I make the decision after I read a little bit of it first. Do you believe in things like Blinkist or these book summary services? I, do you recommend them? I don't use them. However, there's nothing wrong with book summary services. We're all time poor, you know, and there are some books. There are some books that should, that every word should be read, but there are some books that honestly should be magazine articles. Yes. And, <laughs> and, and therefore, a book summary is a good thing in those cases. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. So how do listeners find out more about you, Valerie? And is there anything else you'd like to say before we say goodbye? Well, business owners who are interested in writing a business book or what's involved in writing a business book and want to get it published, uh, they can go to yourbusinessbook.com.au. If you're interested in writing in a wider sense, so you might have you might be interested in writing a novel or uh, writing a screenplay or, or, or that sort of thing, go to my business, which is writerscenter.com.au. Uh, but of course, you can also just find me and my personal stuff on valeriecoo.com. Awesome. I'll put all that into the show notes. So thank you very much for that. I was delighted to have you on the show. I really enjoyed talking to you and I would love to have you back again one day. Oh, I'd love to come back, Ash. That was really good fun. So there you go. That was Valerie Koo, the founder of thewriterscenter.com.au. It was an absolute pleasure to have Valerie on the show. She's actually a friend of mine and I really learned so much more through this interview than I already knew about writing. So thank you, Valerie. A couple of the biggest points that I would love to re-emphasize that Valerie made are the importance of journaling when it comes to developing a writing habit. It's really powerful because there is so little at stake. The only person that's ever going to see the content in there is yourself. The beauty of journaling is it still creates that writing habit, that discipline of putting your thoughts down on paper or putting it onto a computer screen. I really like the idea of mind maps. I think that has been working for me extremely well. And I would strongly encourage you to check out the app that I mentioned called iThoughts X. I also liked what Valerie said about the importance of getting your about page right. I know I've got a lot of work to do on mine. And if you have any suggestions, by all means, please (laughs) send me an email on ash at productiveinsights.com. And finally, I'd just like to re-emphasize what Valerie said about the power of stories. Stories are often underestimated their power to move us 
in business and in our personal lives is enormous. We tell stories about ourselves all the time and they affect our worldview, our day-to-day existence. So I would encourage you to examine the stories you tell yourself and the stories you tell about your business to the world. Mindfulness is a very powerful tool to help you become aware of these stories you tell yourself about your business, about your life, or even the stories you tell other people about your business and life. Mindfulness is a very powerful tool that really can transform your life over time, but I'll leave that for another podcast episode. Now, the related episodes mentioned in this podcast are episode number 38 with Rand Fishkin on how to create great SEO-friendly content plus key trends in search today, episode number 61 with Kevin Rogers on why attention is a new currency and the four things you need to make a sale, episode number 47 on web copywriting with Demian Farnworth from Copyblog. He's a chief content writer at Copyblogger Media. Episode number three with John Morrow from Copyblogger on how to use blogging to build a business online. And episode number 57 with Lisa Myers, the CEO of Verve Search on creative content, mindset, and her favorite Star Wars quote. Those three concepts are related. Now, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I can't wait to bring the next one to you. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Productive Insights Podcast. You can find all the links in the show notes below this episode on ProductiveInsights.com. You can also ask questions in the comment section that Ash personally answers. How can Ash help you today?